Hello and welcome to the Katie Halper Show. I'm your host, Katie Halper. You can hear the Katie Halper Show every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on WBAI. That's 99.5 FM or WBAI.org. You can find the Katie Halper Show on SoundCloud. You can find the Katie Halper Show on iTunes. And please, please, please rate and review us. Give us some stars. Give us some great words of encouragement on iTunes. You can find the Katie Halper Show on Facebook. On Twitter, the hashtag is KT Help Show. That's letter K, letter T, H A L P S H O W. You can find me on Twitter, KT Helps, letter K, letter T, H A L P S. You can find Gabe, my co host, who's not on this episode, but is on most episodes at Gabe underscore Pacheco on Twitter. On today's episode, I play you a really important, if I do say so myself, interview with Juanita Broderick. Juanita Broderick accused Bill Clinton of raping her, and it's an incredibly relevant story still because I think it really speaks to a lot of the problems with the Hillary-focused feminism that we've seen and the way that it purports to hashtag believe women, but it doesn't really believe women when it's politically inconvenient. I want to just update you about something that's pretty relevant to this interview. A very relevant and disturbing story broke on this past Friday in the New York Times. It turns out that a senior advisor to Hillary's 2008 campaign, his name is Burns Strider, was accused of sexually harassing a younger woman working on the campaign. Now, Hillary Clinton's campaign manager at the time recommended that Clinton fire this senior advisor. Hillary Clinton decided not to. Instead, he had some pay docked and he was told to undergo counseling. The young woman who accused him of harassing her was given a new job within the campaign. Hillary Clinton was comfortable responding to this story with a tweet that I think is pretty incredible, pretty delusional, full of what we what I would call chutzpah. This is someone who decided not to to fire someone accused of sexual harassment, okay? Now, this is how she responded to the news. This was her attempt at damage control. She tweeted, a story appeared today about something that happened in 2008. I was dismayed when it occurred, but was heartened the young woman came forward, was heard, and had her concerns taken seriously and addressed. I called her today to tell her how proud I am of her and to make sure she knows what all women should. We deserve to be heard, end quote. Okay, so... Having her concerns taken seriously and addressed meant not firing the man she accused of harassment, keeping him on. I don't understand how Hillary Clinton could have written that. But again, it speaks to the fact that for many of her supporters, Hillary Clinton really can do no wrong. So as I've said many times on the show, I don't deny that Hillary Clinton faces sexism and misogyny and double standards. She does. The problem is that she and her supporters use that as a shield against very legitimate and valid criticism. And this often is criticism about the way Hillary Clinton throws women under the bus and enables her husband. I mean, you can see that she clearly enabled this advisor by not firing him over the recommendations of her campaign manager, as well as other people on the campaign. We see that she stood by Bill Clinton despite the accusations of Juanita Broderick, despite Paula Jones, who accused him of sexual harassment and won her lawsuit against Bill Clinton for sexual harassment. Anyway, so I'm going to play the interview with Juanita Broderick. And it's funny because Juanita Broderick became a Trump supporter, but I think we'll see why. Make sure that you look for my written piece about Juanita Broderick, which is at New York Magazine. I'll be putting that on our Facebook page, the Katie Halper Show Facebook page, so you can find it there. Juanita Broderick has a book out called You Better Put Some Ice on That. That is, by the way, what she claims Bill Clinton said to her after raping her and leaving the room, and you can find that on Amazon. Make sure you join our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. You'll hear our extended interview with Juanita Broderick. Miss that. She talks about Roy Moore. She talks about the hypocrisy of Republicans and Democrats, liberals and conservatives. Can you give us just some background on what happened and how you met the Clintons? Okay. Now, do you want me to go into, uh, uh, you mean back in 1978? Yeah. Okay. I was uh, a young female nursing home owner. 
and I became involved in Bill Clinton's campaign. I would go around in the evenings. You know, I, I went to one of their volunteer meetings that they had here because I thought, well, that's going to be interesting because I'd seen him on TV and his commercials about when he was running for governor. And I thought, you know, that is a bright young man. He's a new man. Bill Clinton is his name. He says the administration we got is the bunch who put us in this spot. Clinton says we don't need more of the same. Bill Clinton's ready, he's fed up too. He's a lot like me, he's a lot like you. Bill Clinton wants to get things done, so we're gonna send him to Washington. You remember and vote for that. And he was so charismatic. God bless you all and thank you very much. And I thought, you know, I'm gonna go investigate this and find out what he's all about. And so I ended up volunteering and I would, uh, loaded up my nursing home van with yard signs and t-shirts and hats and buttons and bumper stickers and, and all of that. And I would go around in the evenings when I left work and uh, go to people to put yard signs up. And I did this on a regular basis for about two months. Uh, and then all of a sudden one day I get a call from the uh, campaign headquarters in, in uh, Little Rock asking, telling me, that uh, Clinton was going to be in the area going around to businesses and nursing homes and could he visit mine? And I was thrilled, Katie. I thought, you know, this is absolutely awesome to get someone like him in to see our nursing home. So I told him yes. And eventually he came and we were all so excited. We were wearing our Bill Clinton buttons and, and uh, had a big sign out in the front, welcome Bill Clinton. Uh, candidate for governor and all of that and he came and uh, when he did uh, he sort of singled me out came over to me but I was the owner you know and I began to talk to him and I thought boy this this is a this is a good guy he's somebody that I think could do a lot for Arkansas as governor. And uh, I began to tell him about all the problems that we were having in the nursing home. The reimbursement was so low and we could not care for our patients adequately. And he just seemed very interested in this. He, he did and he said, well, if you're ever in Little Rock, uh, please come by the campaign headquarters and let's talk about this. And I, I, was, I was absolutely jumping with joy I thought my gosh to have the ear of the governor the future governor of of my state to hear about all of our problems how could you be any happier you know that's awesome and so then he wanted to meet with you and yeah and that's uh, uh my uh, director of nursing Norma Rogers and I went down on uh, April the 24th, 1978 we went down for a nursing home seminar and uh the next morning, uh, we called his office and uh, told the young lady that answered the phone that, uh, we, that he had asked me to call him when I was in Little Rock. And she immediately said, oh, yes, Mrs. Hickey. That was my name at the time. Mm -hmm. She said, oh, yes, Miss Hickey. Mr. Clinton said, if you ever called, would you please call his apartment? Mm. So I thought, well, that's a little strange. But anyway... I did call him and tell him that uh, I would have free time at lunch. Could I meet him at the campaign headquarters and bring over all the information that I had about our reimbursement? And he said, no, I'm not going to be there today. Can I just meet you at the Camelot? That the Camelot Hotel is where Norma and I were staying. And I said, sure. And he said, well, I'll be over there. I can, he said, I can come over there. Uh, in about an hour. So I thought, my God, he's coming to meet me. That's that's terrific. I couldn't believe it, Katie. And then I told Norma, I said, you go on to the meeting. Bill Clinton's coming and I'm going to meet him in the coffee shop. And so Norma went on to the meeting and I waited in the room. And uh, pretty soon I get a call and it's from Bill Clinton. And he's down in the Camelot coffee shop. And he proceeds to say, you know, it's so crowded down here and there's so many people and there's even reporters. He said, could we have coffee in your room? 
And, you know, I don't know exactly how I felt about it. I'm sure I was a little surprised. But, I mean, we're talking about the Attorney General of the state of Arkansas. Right, so, right. you know, that alleviated any fear that I might have had in a in an, an, another situation. You know, right. and I just thought it was okay. Yeah, the last person you're worried about committing a crime, right? Right, right. So I immediately ordered coffee to the room. And uh, I told him, I said, I'll order coffee to the room. And he said, well, that's good. I'm talking with someone and I'll be up in about 30 minutes. And I told him my room number. So uh, they come with the coffee. And then just as soon as they leave from bringing the coffee, it couldn't have been but a minute. I hear a knock on the door. Uh, and I go to the door and it's him. And he, uh, I invite him in the room show him over to the window where I had the coffee sitting and I began to pour, you know, pour us both a cup of coffee and <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> and, uh, that's, uh, when he started casually talking. And then of course, I think most people know, or maybe they don't, it ended up in a very bad situation. Uh, I really don't want to go into all of sure, the details, of you know, of the rape and what happened. It's even this to this day, you know, I'm 74 years old. It's still emotionally right. hard for me to relate what happened. It's well, I don't think I'll, I don't think I'll ever get over that. So when you, you did tell some people, what did you say? Well, after the rape, I, I laid down on the bed and tried to think my god what what just happened mm. and so I, I just had this this the most horrific feeling and i was still in the same horrible condition my mouth was bleeding it was swollen four times the size that it should be and uh uh i i was just i was just devastated the first person to find me i never showed up at the meeting and then eventually Norma came to the room and found me. She said, oh, my God, what happened to you? And I said, he raped me. And she just looked at me in disbelief and held me for a while and said, oh, my God. And, of course, I, I couldn't quit crying. I just, right. I just, I couldn't. It was, it was horrible. And so she helped me change clothes and said, what, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to go home. You know, I just wanted to put this behind me. It was, it was too unbelievable to think that it happened. It was, it was just, I was, I, I can't even begin to tell you how it felt. Uh, so we drove home and uh, all the way home, she would get ice to put on my mouth and we talked about it. You know, and we both agreed that there's no way I could tell about it. I mean, right. he was the attorney general. Who, who, who would do anything to him back then in that time? All we heard was men will be men, just live with it. Uh, so it, it, was, uh, it was really hard. And so did you, I think like something that still happens, but happened a lot back then was, you know, a, a sense of guilt or shame. I think that. Um, oh, yes, you know. Katie, I thought it was my fault. Right. And she kept saying, no, it's not. Uh, but I, I thought, my God, you fool. You let this man come to your room. And that's, that's what we had back then. Men will be men. Just deal with it. And that's what I decided to do was deal with it. When did you stop blaming yourself? I stopped blaming myself when he apologized. Okay, so can you tell us what, what this was when he apologized? I was at another nursing home meeting in Little Rock. And it was 1991. And I'm not even for sure which hotel it was at. We went to all of them for different nursing home seminars. And I was inside in the meeting with Norma and her sister Jean. And all of a sudden, some man comes to the door and says, Juanita Broderick is wanted in the hall. So I went out there, and they followed right behind me. And so the man, when I came out, he pointed down around by the elevator down around the corner. He said, someone down there needs to speak to you. 
and Norma and Jean's were behind me, but they were probably 20 or 30 feet behind me. So I walked down there, went around the corner, and there stood Bill Clinton. Mm. And it shocked me. I, I thought I was going to faint. I didn't know what was going on. And he comes over to me, tries to hold my hand, which I never allowed him to do, and starts this profuse apology. And he kept saying things like, I'm so sorry for what happened. He never said for what I did. He just kept saying, mm. I'm so sorry for what happened. He said, I'm a changed man. I'm a family man now. And I just want you to know how sorry I am. Now, I'm I'm just uh, trying to remember exactly what he said, but it was a very strong apology. And it, it shocked me. I just sort of stood there speechless for a few minutes and looked at him. And <laughs> I don't know what made me do it, but I told him to go to hell and I walked away. Hmm. Yeah. As I walked away, Katie, I started crying. I, mm. I, I, I have no idea why. And I walked over to Norma and Jean, and they saw him. Mm. And I walked over to Norma and Jean, and I said, he just apologized to me. And we, it was probably around 10 or 11 in the morning. So we didn't go back into the seminar until that afternoon. We went on to lunch. And uh, I... I, we were all just still reeling from it, uh, and he uh, and uh, we would talk about it. And they said, "Do you think he really meant it?" And I think I probably said something like, "I have no idea." And we actually sit there at our lunch and begin to have sympathy for this horrible predator. I mean, I thought, my gosh, he must really mean this. It's, It seems sincere, but how can you forgive somebody for raping you? Well, the following week, he announced that he was running for the presidency. Mm. Right. So I didn't, I didn't fall for that anymore. You know, he just found out somehow that I was in Little Rock, and he was probably trying to just uh, – do anything that he could to any of his victims that were near to say, I'm sorry. Right. When did this issue come up again for you? That's well, there was always rumblings hmm. around Arkansas and probably over a five year to seven year span. I might have a call from somebody and said, you know, and it was a reporter and they would say, we have heard that you were, uh, assaulted. I don't remember exactly what they said over the phone, and I would just hang up. You right. know, I, I didn't. I didn't want to deal with that, and just forget that they ever called. And then it came up in '96 uh, or '97 when the uh, uh, Lamberts, the investigative reporters for Paula Jones, came to my door. That's before I had an electronic gate, and they were working for her attorneys and they came to my front porch and asked me some questions and I did not know that at the time they were recording me and uh, or wouldn't have said what I did uh, that you know it was just too horrible I didn't mention his name I didn't say anything I just said that's too horrible I do not want to go through that uh, and you were saying it was a long time ago so you weren't you were saying you didn't want to talk about it, but you didn't really say what it was. But it was clear that they were asking you to talk about what had happened. Right. And no were, one ever yeah. mentioned the word rape, you know, right. when they were on my front porch. And by the way, did you know that they were they are uh, Rick and Beverly Lambert are Miranda Lambert's parents. Every last one I just thought it was so interesting, you know, and I've had I had contact with them a few years ago. And they were very cordial and yeah. apologetic that they recorded me. Mm. 
it's interesting because people love to pretend that you're making this up or that you just wanted for, you know, all the, all these things that people like to say about you. It's pretty hard to say that after, after we hear you basically, you know, you didn't know you were being recorded. So you had no ulterior no. motives and you're doing the opposite of what they're saying. You're basically saying, yes, it happened, but I don't want to go on the record to say it happened, which yeah. is something that again, like lots of advocates of, um, you know, people who defend rape victims and rape survivors, in theory, they they, we're, they know this, right? That that people, for many reasons, don't come forward. Oh, yeah. Um, but, oh, yeah. again, this is what's so weird about, about your story, and it's so important, is that Clinton people did such a good job of making you look like some fringe conspiracy theory I creation. Know. You know, and it's, and I'm still embarrassed when I, when I remember how people would say your name, and I would just, like, dismiss it, because... I just knew that, you know, that that's one of those things about the Clintons that isn't true. And and the thing that really made me look at it and look into it, and I'm grateful, even though it's really terrible, was, again, that woman from Wonkette who basically said when Katie Baker's really good piece had come out, right? She basically said, yeah, Bill Clinton may have raped Juanita Broderick. I could see that happening, but that doesn't make him a bad person or not a feminist. And, I mean, it was just... Oh, I, I know. That went yeah. all over me, Katie. Yeah, I could not believe, and she did apologize to me. Yeah, she did, right? I have to say, it was actually, even though it was coming from such a bad place, it actually was really helpful, at least just, I mean, for me and lots of other people, who we had kind of ignored it or been not, we weren't even conscious of ignoring it. We just were used to dismissing it. Um, And I think that that was so outrageous, and it was explained, it kind of put on display this, this warped thinking that people who defend the Clintons, no matter what, will engage in. And it was right. great in a way because it forced us to look at it. It's like, oh, no, no, no. This is it's the, the crazy people aren't aren't the people talking about wanting to Broderick. The crazy people are the ones who are saying it doesn't matter. Yes. You know, but uh, was that was that I mean, was it a relief to have someone say it probably happened, even though they were saying it doesn't matter that much, which which is worse? No, no, no it was worse. It was worse. Uh, okay. To me, it was worse. It's like, yeah, it happened, but we don't care. Yeah, right, let's, let's go on. Let's just yeah. go on. Tell us why why you originally said that, that he hadn't raped you, then why you came forward and said he had. That was because of the Paula Jones suit. I had remained yeah. quiet for so long, uh, for almost 20 years. I had my own life. I saw what happened to Jennifer Flowers. I saw, you know, in fact, she also came out approximately a month after Bill Clinton apologized to me mm. with her story about her affair with him. And I began to think, oh, good. She saved me. I will never have to come forward. This woman will take him down. Wrong. <laughs> that right. never happened. And then the Paula Jones suit came out, and I was ja- named Jane Doe number five in that suit. And I had to go down to my attorney's office and be deposed. And, you know, at that moment, I didn't know who Paula Jones was. I knew about her allegations, and I, I, I just was incensed that somebody could make me a part of their lawsuit for their own financial gain, and I wasn't having it. I absolutely wasn't having it, and I was not about to let her force me out. And so that's the attitude that I took. Went down, talked to my attorney, told him, uh, that I was going to be deposed, and he made all the arrangements, and we did it at his office. And I lied. You know, there's just mm-hmm. nothing else. It's hard for a 74-year-old woman to say, you know, I lied. But I did. Mm-hmm. I did not want entangled in that because I could see what had happened to the other women who had come forward. I was a busy woman. I was mm-hmm. trying to run my business. I had a child to raise. I had all of these things going on, and I did not want to come forward. What makes you change your mind, though? Well, it's when uh, uh, my attorney got a letter from Ken Starr's office, and they wanted to have an interview or a deposition or whatever with me. And so I went to that. Before I went to that interview, Kevin, my son, who's an attorney, and uh, my husband, David, and I went to Bill Walter's office. He was my attorney. Uh, he was a senator at the state of Arkansas and also an attorney. And he, uh, we sat down and told him, you know, she's got a story to tell you and you need to sit down. And we told him. 
And so he got in touch with STARS people. They arranged for them to come. I don't remember who the attorney was or anything. Mm. And uh, I told him what happened. That is Juanita Broderick. Juanita Broderick accused Bill Clinton of raping her. Here Juanita talks about an interview she did on Dateline. And this was the first time she publicly talked about being raped by Bill Clinton. Well, I I had got, I got this long letter from Lisa Myers wanting to interview me. It's a very lengthy letter. And uh, I emailed her back and told her, no, I just couldn't do it. But she was real persistent. Lisa, for some reason, would not let this story go. And so she would call me off and on. Uh, over a period of almost a year. And uh, she would almost have me talked into it, and then I'd back out. So one day, she said, I'm coming to Arkansas. And Kevin had made arrangements to meet with her. And I thought, you know, I need to go meet this woman. She has been so supportive. So I went to the meeting where she and Kevin were talking. And after the meeting was over, I decided to do the interview. And then, so all the arrangements were made, and they showed up at my house in February or January. I can't remember. Just a minute. Hold just a sure. second. I think I have those dates here. I'm going to lay the phone down just a okay. second. Okay. So it was finally set up that, that NBC would be coming to my home. And they filmed the uh, interview, in fact, the, the filming went on for probably five or six hours. And they filmed that on January the 20th of 99. And when they left, they told me it would air on January the 29th of 99, uh, which was just nine days later. Uh, and it never did. You know, Lisa would call me and say, well, they're still doing the investigation. And uh, uh, Mr. Lack wanted more uh, scrutiny and uh, investigative work done. So I accepted that. But then after another week, I was getting angry. You know, the impeachment hearing for Bill Clinton was going on. And this was the main purpose that I thought NBC wanted to do the interview was during the impeachment hearing. Well, it finally aired opposite the Grammys on February the 19th, 1999. But before that time, I became angry. You know, I was upset. I had poured out my heart and soul in this interview and told the truth. So you thought this was going to be a business meeting? Yes, I did. I didn't really feel any danger in him coming to my room. And uh, I sort of ushered us over to the coffee. I had coffee sitting on a little table over there by the window. And it was a real pretty window view that looked at down at the river. And he came around me and sort of put his arm over my shoulder to point to this little building and said that he was real interested if he became governor to restore that little building. And then all of a sudden, he turned me around and started kissing me. And that was a real shock. What did you do? Uh, I first pushed him away. I just told him, no, you know, please don't do that. And I forget, it's been 21 years, Lisa. And I forget exactly what he was saying. It seems like he was making statements that would relate to, well, did you not know why I was coming up here? And I told him at the time, I said, I'm married, and I have other things going on in my life, and, and this is something that I'm not interested in. Had you given him any reason to believe you might be receptive? No. None. None whatsoever. Then what happens? Then he tries to kiss me again. And the second time he tries to kiss me, he starts biting on my lip. He starts to uh, bite on my top lip, and I try to pull away from him. And then he forces me down on the bed. And 
I just was very frightened. And I tried to get away from him, and I told him no. That I didn't want this to happen. But he wouldn't listen to me. Did you resist? Did you tell him to stop? Yes. I told him, please don't. He was such a different person at that moment. He was just a, a vicious, awful person. You said there was a point at which you stopped resisting. Yeah. Why? It was a real panicky, panicky situation. And I was even to the point where I was getting very noisy, you know, yelling, and to, you know, to please stop. But that's when he would press down on my right shoulder and he would uh, bite on my lip. Roderick also says the waist of her skirt and her pantyhose were torn. When everything was over with, when he got up and straightened himself, and I was crying at the moment, and uh, he walks to the door and calmly puts on his sunglasses. And before he goes out the door, he says, you better get some ice on that. And he turns and went out the door. On your lip? Yeah. She estimates Clinton was in her room less than 30 minutes. And I, when she would call and say, well, it's going to be on, I finally took out my anger on her and Lisa Myers. And I said, don't call me again. Mm. Don't call me again. She'd called me the week before and said, you know, there's good news and there's bad news. The good news was I was credible. The bad news was I was very credible. And that just, that hurt. I didn't understand it. And I was angry. Um, and then, but anyway, it finally aired on February the 19th. And my family came over uh, and we all sat ready to watch it. And Katie, I couldn't watch it. You know, I, I absolutely could not watch it. It was too painful to see that woman on the television crying and telling what happened to her. And I empathized with that woman that was me. And it was probably 10 or 15 years before I actually watched the whole thing through. Then Hillary Clinton brings you out uh, again because... Oh, you mean when I first tweeted? Yeah. Well, Hillary came out with this statement, and it was on the news, and she said... I want to send a message to every survivor of sexual assault. Don't let anyone silence your voice you have a right to be heard, and you have a right to be believed. We're with you. And that just went all over me. I could not believe that that was coming out of her mouth. So I had been on Twitter, but I really didn't know how to use it a couple of years before, so I never, I never used it. I think I tweeted something one time about, well, I'm on my porch having coffee. (laughs) That's really interesting. (laughs) Everybody wants to hear that. So I sat down and I thought, I've got to answer this woman. And that's when I sent out the tweet that, you know, went viral about being raped by Bill Clinton. Can you read what that says, just so our listeners know? I tweeted, and and I had to have the help of my grandson, because I kept getting too many words in it, and it wouldn't allow it to go through. So he walked me through what to do, even though he did not know what I was tweeting. And so I I tweeted. I'm still here. I'm just pulling it up. I've got it. Okay. Okay, I'm ready to do it. You ready? Yeah. With the help of my grandson, I finally could tweet. I was 35 years old when Bill Clinton, Arkansas Attorney General, raped me, and Hillary tried to silence me. I am now 73. It never goes away. That was in January 2016, and as of now, it had uh, it's been retweeted 111,000 times and liked 81,000 times. Right, and you know, I, I, Katie, I punched tweet. And all hell broke loose. Right. I mean, this is a story that's been out there for decades. But I guess I didn't realize the power of Twitter. Right. My phone was ringing off the wall, wanting interviews. And uh, my son called me and said, what have you done? (laughs) And uh, I just didn't, I didn't realize the power in the words that you put on Twitter. You've actually had a lot of people... You had something with Chelsea Handler the other day. 
She apologized. What, what about Bill Clinton? Uh, Chelsea, you, you tweeted, imagine being molested by an older man, then that man denies ever doing it, and then go, goes on and gets elected to United States Senate. And Juanita Broderick tweeted back, yeah, Chelsea Handler, I can imagine, and goes into how she said she was raped by Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. Yeah. Uh, but see, unlike the, the, the right, you then said, oh, you have a point. I said, I'm so sorry. I apologize. Every, first of all, every victim deserves to be heard. You know, anyone who's alleging any sort of assault or uh, abuse needs to be listened to. You can't so do we have to relook at Bill Clinton? Well, do we have to go back to look at Bill Clinton? I mean, I think that, I mean, I mean, isn't the jury out on that? We got what Bill Clinton was, okay? He had a lot of sex with a lot of people. And, and yeah. Well, that, that's, we know. Right. We're, now we're talking about forced sex, which is. Forced Crime. Right. That's... Right. I mean, right. You're right. Do we have to go back and look at that? Yes. I'm not going to disbelieve a woman. I'm a woman and it is right. my job right now. We're in the area where we have to believe every woman because we've done such a poor job at believing each other. One of the reasons. Right. You know, what, what really surprises me on Twitter is people will uh, write me messages and say horrible things to me. And I used to delete those. But now I answer them, and I answer them in a respectful manner and explain my situation. And 99 times out of 100, they will come back and say, I'm sorry, I didn't realize. And that's, that's what surprises me more than anything. And what kind of things do you say to them? I tell them that they would had to have been in my shoes at the time. Yes, I was raped. And uh, it was a horrible thing to go through. I, I have a long, it depends on the person. I answer right. the person individually according to what they're asking. Why did I support Trump? Right. Why did I uh, not come forward sooner? So, because so many don't know. I have to tell them I've been coming out for over 20 years. Right. Right. You're not that political. You weren't that political. Like you've talked about this before. You work, you voted for, for Bush. You voted for Obama. Uh, you voted for Kennedy. You, you worked for Clinton. But I'm very to the left, obviously. And you, what's the word? Did you endorse Trump? You joined his campaign? Well, I guess you, you, I guess you could say that. And I became a Trump supporter late in the campaign. Right. To me, <laughs> to me, it was like James Woods said. He said, Donald Trump may be vinegar. But Hillary is arsenic. Mm. And I believe, I agree right. with that wholeheartedly. And but they say, well, why yeah, did sorry. you join the campaign? Why did you support a man uh, such as him? Right. Who talked about grabbing women by the pussy? I gotta use some tic tacs just in case they start kissing her. You know, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. You just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab him by the pussy. <laughs> I can do anything. Yeah. And, I, and, and I have to say to them, Donald Trump gave Bill Clinton's victims a voice. Mm. A voice that we had been denied for two decades. Right. And they say, well, why did you go to that debate? So, Mr. Trump, let me add to that. When you walked off that bus at age 59, were you a different man or did that behavior continue until just recently and you have two minutes talk, for this I told you that was locker room talk uh, I'm not proud of it I am a person who has great respect for people for my family for the people of this country and certainly I'm not proud of it but that was something that uh, happened if you look at uh, Bill Clinton far worse minor words and his was action his was what he's done to women there's never been anybody in the history of politics in this nation that's been so abusive to women. So you can say any way you want to say it, but Bill Clinton was abusive to women. Hillary Clinton attacked those same women and attacked them viciously, four of them here tonight. So don't tell me about words. I am absolutely, I apologize for those words, but it is things that people say, but what President Clinton did. He was impeached. He lost his license to practice law. He had to pay an $850,000 fine to one of the women, Paula Jones, who's also here tonight. And I will tell you that when 
Hillary brings up a point like that, and she talks about words that I said 11 years ago. I think it's disgraceful, and I think she should be ashamed of herself, if you want to know the truth. Can we please hold the applause? And they say, well, why did you go to that debate? Why did you support him at that, that, that debate? Well, my heavenly days, I had been told for two decades to go back in the woodwork. I didn't matter. So here was my opportunity to be heard in a huge public forum. I just couldn't have imagined that happening to me after all these years. But for you, it still provided you with an outlet and with an opportunity to tell a story that you'd been unable to tell for all these decades. Right. I thought it was yeah. important, not only because of Hillary running, but because who she would take to the White House with her. And what did it feel like when you did it? Did it give you any relief? Did it give you any sense of oh, healing? Oh, my goodness, or? yes. That was, the, that was the best experience of my life. You know, we went to the debate, and, uh, of course, we went to that little press conference before the debate, which we didn't know was going to happen. We had no idea that that uh, press conference was going to take place. We were taken by Trump's hotel on the way to the debate and told he wanted to meet us, uh, which we did. We went up to a room with, uh, and waited for him. It was a large room with all kinds of refreshments, and we waited for him to come. He came in and graciously talked to us and uh, told us how sorry he was for what we'd been through. And then all of a sudden, we're ushered to this room next to the large room. We walk in there, and here's this long table. Uh, and we were told where to sit. And Kathleen and Paula and Kathy Shelton and I, we all looked at each other, and we followed their orders because we didn't know what we were doing in there. Um, uh, and so in a few minutes, Mr. Trump came in, and he sat between all of us. And I heard him say, you can let them in. We had no idea what he was talking about. Right. Then all of a sudden the door opens. Here comes all these cameras and reporters. And we all looked as shocked as those reporters were looking back at us. Mm. And then all of a sudden Mr. Trump says, these ladies have, have something they would like to say. So uh, thank you very much for coming and... These four very courageous women have asked to be here, and it was our honor to help them. And I think they're each going to make just an individual short statement, and then we will we're going to have a little meeting, and uh, we'll see you at the debate. Yeah. And it started from there. Wow. So you were totally off the cuff. Totally off the cuff. We had no idea. Hi, I'm, I'm Winnie DeBroderick. And I'm here to support Donald Trump. I've tweeted recently, and Mr. Trump retweeted it, that actions speak louder than words. Mr. Trump may have said some bad words, but Bill Clinton raped me, and Hillary Clinton threatened me. I don't think there's any comparison. But he knew that. that we were supporting him, we, that we were against Hillary Clinton. Uh, I, I'm thinking and hoping that somebody was supposed to tell us and forgot <laughs> or they were possibly afraid that we wouldn't do it. But I'm right. happy I did it. I'd do it all over again. And people say, do you feel used by the campaign? I don't know what I feel. I just feel certain that I, I just feel glad that I had that opportunity to bring this to view again. You well, know, if we were used, I don't care. Right. You know, whatever the reasons were when he asked us to that second debate, I would finally be able to tell my story to millions of people who had never heard it before. That's right. why I went. So you're saying, okay, maybe he did it just for political reasons. Maybe he doesn't care. But for you, it still provided you with an outlet and with an opportunity to tell a story that you'd been unable to tell for all these decades. Right. I thought it was yeah. important, not only because of Hillary running, but because who she would take to the White House with her. 
And what did it feel like when you did it? Did it give you any relief? Did it give you any sense of oh, healing? Oh, my goodness, or? yes. That was, the, that was the best experience of my life. Yeah. What is your relationship with feminism? Are you? Did you ever consider yourself a feminist? <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I guess in a way I did uh, from being a, a women's majority stockholder business. You know, yeah. I, I guess I did, but I didn't felt... I didn't feel like a true, you know, a true feminist. I went along with how I was raised, that women should be in their places. And it's taken me a while to get over it. I do have strong feelings about, you know, the feminist and right. them not coming. You know, as soon as my story aired, not one feminist group ever contacted me to judge my story for themselves. Mm. And, and I know why. You know, back then, they had the cooperation of the Clinton White House and did not want to, you know, they didn't want to endanger any of their prospective legislature that they wanted to put through. Uh, and uh, that's why I think that they didn't come forward, you know. Mm. You actually said to me once, you said something like they failed... They failed me, but they didn't fail a lot of other women because they got a lot of legislation passed. Yeah, and, you know, I hope that what they did for women's rights have brought us, you know, to a, a better existence, we women. Right. Uh, I just hate that they threw me and the other victims of Bill Clinton under the bus to do it. Uh, I used to think that you can sacrifice a few for the many. But, you know, I've come to another realization. Uh, I wonder how many of the women and children and men would not have been raped or sexually assaulted over the last two decades if these women's groups had just done the right thing and denounced Bill Clinton. Huh. You know, in, in, instead, right. it, it brought us to this society of accepting Bill Clinton's transgressions. That's wrong. I mean, that's really interesting because you're basically saying, okay, fine, I get that you can have better, let's say, w laws for women. Right. But but how many less victims would there be? Right, exactly, yeah. Been that's... removed from office for what he right. did. Because I don't it's think not, it would yeah. have been an okay attitude during the right. last two decades. People now, of course, now that Clinton's no longer, Hillary Clinton's no longer running, now people are saying he should have resigned. And it's like, well, where was that before? Where Why were you saying this before? And a lot of people who are saying he should have resigned are saying, you know, it's not like you resign and then a Republican takes over. Al, Al Gore would have taken over. Yeah. So even if you're a Democrat, even if you think that Bill Clinton's policies were better for women than the Republicans would have been, there would have been another Democrat to come in. Um, but that is interesting. You're saying, like, how much did that contribute to a culture... Like, how much are we now reckoning with this in a way that we should have before, and how many more victims have there been because of that? Right. I really but, feel that now, Katie. Yeah. But I, I was just impressed either way, kind of, that you were able to say, because when we spoke, I remember you said something like, you know, they failed um, me, but they didn't fail other women, that you could even see, like, you had some kind of empathy still for what they right. were doing. And it's funny because they don't have empathy for you, some of them. I don't know the statistics of how yeah. many women's lives were made better right. by the legislation they passed versus how many women, men, and children were harmed because of this new attitude. Right. Or allowing this attitude because I don't know how new it was. But maybe it was new in that it was allowed to not matter on a high level. And what, what about, do you think that women um, feminists have something to do with this moment now? The fact that um, people are coming out and telling their stories? No, no. I think they're being brought into it. And I think they're making, making statements for their own uh, uh, survival. Right. But I blame them. You know, I, I blame them for what we're going through now. Hmm. I, I wouldn't accept their apology now. But I don't mean, though, like, yeah. Not these feminist groups that ignored me for all those years. What would you like them to do? Is there anything they could do? Say they were wrong. Yeah. Say that they should have not had such a close 
liaisons with the Clintons and done the right thing. Because, I mean, they're feminist organizations and then they're just feminists who believe in equal rights and not everyone knows about your story, right? So I do think that there are kind of two types of people out there. There are people who just believe in equal rights for women. Then there are the people who are like high ups at, at organizations and really did throw you under the bus. But... Do you feel at all like they did do something helpful, that it, it's this much easier for people to, to, to come out and tell their stories than it was before? Oh, yeah, I do. I do think it's easier for people now because there's just so many of us that have come forward. Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you're almost an, un, un, like a, an accidental feminist because your message is such a feminist message. Accidental feminist. I yeah. like that. Right. You are doing the things that, that we are supposed to do, or I like to say that I did. You know, I wouldn't victim blame just because the person was accusing someone who was a Democrat. You know, it's, it's funny that you don't identify as a feminist, but in some ways you're more of a feminist than other people who do. Well, kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, ha- they have a lot be. to learn from you. You know, that happens a lot. There are people who are really into being Christian and talk about how Christian they are, and then they do things that are actually really against, like, Jesus' teachings. And then you have someone who's not Christian, who's whatever religion, and they're much more Christian in some ways. Yeah. And any anyone particular you want an apology from, like any particular feminist, any particular organization, do you remember like the most hurtful things that were said about you or to you? Oh, Hillary Clinton, without a doubt. Yeah. You know, if she had done the right thing two decades ago, I don't think we'd be in this mess today. Her her enabling and harassing her husband's victims, her enabling of her husband was just major. I think mm-hmm. over the last two and a half decades, that if she had not done that, uh, I think we'd be in a different situation. It's like if the president can rape and harass, I can too. Mm. Right. And and what do you do? You think there is a take an important takeaway from all of this? Like, do you think that there people can realize from these stories that, you know, we need to condemn this wherever it happens? What what I think that we can learn from all of this is that all people, regardless of sex, regardless of anything, have the right to say no and expect to be treated accordingly. But when no is not taken for an answer then victims must be heard loud and clear. And we've got to remember this. Make sure that you look for my written piece about Juanita Project, which is at New York Magazine. I'll be putting that on our Facebook page, the Katie Halper Show Facebook page, so you can find it there. Juanita Project has a book out called You Better Put Some Ice on That. That is, by the way, what she claims Bill Clinton said to her after raping her and leaving the room. And you can find that on Amazon. You can find The Katie Halper Show on SoundCloud. You can find The Katie Halper Show on iTunes. And please, please, please rate and review us. Give us some stars. Give us some great words of encouragement on iTunes. You can find The Katie Halper Show on Facebook, on Twitter. The hashtag is Show. That's letter K, letter T, H-A-L-P-S-H-O-W. You can find me on Twitter, Halps, letter K, letter T, H-A-L-P-S. You can find Gabe, my co-host, who's not on this episode, but is on most episodes at Gabe underscore Pacheco on Twitter. Thanks for listening to the Katie Halper Show. We'll see you next week. The Katie Halper Show is produced by Florence Burrow Adams with help from Joshua Bregman. Our theme song is by The Ballet.